Well, why don't we open in prayer, hey? Ah, Heavenly Father, how exciting to be here on the day we remember your coming, your first coming, and to be here with all our church family, Lord, that have been able to make it today. And Lord, it's just a a privilege to spend time together in your presence. So Lord, take my lips today, anoint them and fill them with your words and anoint the ears to hear in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Well, I want to talk today about dine with me. Not me, but me as in Jesus. (laughs) Feasting with Jesus. So um, are you preparing to partake in a feast of sorts today? How many sort of have anticipation there might be food as part of your day? (laughs) Yes. You know, um, will this Christmas day for you be characterised by the quality maybe or the quantity of the food you consumed? Here's an interesting thought. What does food... Sorry... I better keep up with myself. What does food have to do with remembering Jesus' coming? What do you think? The supper of the lamb? Yes. Well, some of you might think, well, that's really easy. It's Jesus' birthday. And birthdays are often celebrated with food, right? Have you ever been to a birthday party where there's no food? (laughs) That would be an interesting party, wouldn't it? (laughs) Well, while while that is true, the reason is far deeper than party food. So what we're going to do, we're going to go right back to the beginning, the day of Christ's birth, and revisit the setting as told in the Scriptures. Why do we feast today. So we're going to have a look at Luke chapter 2. I want um, some volunteers to read for me though today. So who would like to read? All right, Lily, you want to read a little bit? Um, There's quite a bit. So I'll get you to read this this screen and then I'll pick another volunteer. Go for it. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. Wonderful. Thank you. Another volunteer? Come on up. (laughs) Oh, I'll come down. Oh, you want me to get exercise on Christmas Day? So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Oh, good reading. Another one. Who else wants to read? Tim. Now they is in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over the flock by night. And behold, the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, 
and they were greatly afraid. I don't know why they were afraid. My goodness. <clears throat> People see angels every day, don't they? <laughs> Who else wants to read? Do you want to read, Ron? Okay. Yes, back here. <laughs> Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born sorry, for there is born to you this day in the city of David our, a Saviour, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. Oh, very good. Another one? Who else wants to read? Down here. Yay. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. Wonderful. Another one? Who else wants to read? Any more volunteers? Rowan, go on. And they came with, the, with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they, they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which has told them concerning the, this child and all those who heard it marveled and those things which were told them by the shepherds amazing well done the kids are really stepping up today i've got one left any partakers hang on elijah but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the passing shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all those for all the things that they had heard and seen, as it was told them. Wonderful. Thank you, everyone. <clears throat> what a big account. Hey, did anyone notice something different on one of those slides? Lines. I like to underline. Hang on. <clears throat> Pardon me. All right. So let's let's go back to where I had my underlines. <clears throat> Sorry. All right, so two things. Firstly, for there is born what's the words I've got underlined there? Yeah. To you. Well, when I went to the hospital and, and had Melody, they said, wow, a beautiful girl has been born to Jeremy and Anita. But, but the shepherds are being told that there's a baby being born to them. If it was a lamb, they'd go, yep, we see that a lot. We're, we're good. We've had lambs born to us, well, into our flocks. But no, it's something rather different. The angels are saying that this baby has been born to them. They are the recipients of the blessing of this little one's birth. 
that is a really weird thing to say. You would think they would say, a baby has been born to Mary and Joseph. Go and check him out. But they said, a baby has been born to you. But this isn't the first time something like this has happened. Actually, Isaiah said something very similar. So let me go to this one. Look, for unto us a child is born. Well, who's us? Well, I guess it means us. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is not just any child being born. This is something magnificent. Pardon me. Something absolutely extraordinary. Now, I want you to also notice, if I back up in that scripture, the, the angel said... You're going to go and find this baby. They did give some hints. So it was a little bit like a treasure hunt. There were some hints. It would be in the city of David, which they knew was Bethlehem. So that's all good. We got that part. But then they don't really give them directions like go down such and such a street and knock on such and such a door. You know, like if I was to say to you, oh, can you go and visit so-and-so? Generally helpful if I give you directions how to get there, right? Or at least a written address and you can put it in your Google Maps or whatever. But they're just told it's in the city of David. Now, that could be anywhere. Now, admittedly, Bethlehem's not a huge city. But, but still, there's a lot of people in town. There's a census happening. <clears throat> it could be anywhere except for verse 12. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe. Wrapped in swaddling cloths, still not very helpful because that could be, again, anywhere. But the last little bit, lying in a manger. Ah, now we know where to find him. Why would they know where to find him? They're shepherds. Guess what? They know every feed trough in the area. They know every cave, every birthing cave. Ah. I know where to find this baby. We go to Bethlehem and we look in the birthing caves and we look for the ones that have a manger. So, how many of you have seen something like this on a Christmas card? It's just so cute, isn't it? And so unrealistic. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yes, an obedient little lamb there adoring the baby, probably trying to nibble the hay, really. But um, no, I want to take you back to ancient Israel and uh, show you what the mangers look like that they have uncovered from the time of Christ. They were made out of stone, stone mangers, specifically to hold feed. All right? Now, coming back... To my original thought, what does food and feasting have to do with Jesus on Christmas Day? What does the manger hold normally? Food. And where was Jesus laid? In the feed trough. 
Now, why? Because even though he was a baby, I believe what was going on was God was saying, the bread of life has arrived. The food for all mankind has been delivered. The bread of life sent to feed the souls of man. How appropriate that he was laid in a feed trough. There he is amongst the straw to feed the animals, the one who would one day feed the world. Wow. I, I just love that. Later on, when Jesus had grown up, he used these words in one of his teachings. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Now, this is a different type of feasting, all right? I want to just say three little words, and I want you to think about them. Filled, not full. What do you reckon the difference is? Filled, not full. This is the same Jesus who later on fed 5,000 people, 7,000 people with a little bit of loaves and fish. But there's something different when Jesus feeds you than when we feed ourselves. Okay, I want you to have a look at this. Does anybody relate to this picture? <laughs> this is how a lot of us will feel at the end of today. <laughs> now, I remember recently, because Jeremy and I, we've been doing a little bit of dieting, although it seems to be going back on at a rapid rate uh, the last few days. But um, we had had such small meals that I went out for a meal and had a normal size meal. And I'm telling you, I was hurting. I was uncomfortably full. And that actually isn't pleasant. It's just as unpleasant as being really, really hungry, I think, when you're over full. It's not a nice feeling. Bursting at the seams. But here's the point I want to make. This is how we can be filled but not full. This is the difference. When you come to Jesus and you begin to feed on him, he fills you. But you're not left feeling, ugh. Okay, I have to tell you a joke that my pastor used to tell me when I was a teenager. I don't know that I can do it as much justice as he did. But he talked about this, this uh, man who'd come to America uh, to work. He couldn't speak much English and he wanted a job. And he started begging this farmer, please work, work. So the farmer's like, all right, I'll give, you a, I'll give you some work. So he starts working. Within a few minutes, he's back with the farmer. And he's going, empty sack, can't stand up. Empty sack, can't stand up. And he goes, oh. So he feeds him. A few minutes later, he's back again. He goes, now what's the matter? Oh, full sack can't bend. Full sack can't bend. So he still couldn't work. Right? This is the thing. Jesus doesn't fill us and stuff us so full that there's no room for anything else. Our life as believers is supposed to be like this, a conduit, not a confine. 
God doesn't want us just filled with him just for our own sake. He wants to fill us to flow through us. The river of life, the bread of life. Now you think about Jesus feeding the 5,000. There was 12 baskets left over. Whenever Jesus feeds you, there's always going to be something to share. I remember listening to um, Anne, I think her name, I can't remember her last name at this moment, but she's Billy Graham's daughter. And she said she, oh, oh, lots, is it? Lots? Yes. She, um, she said she will have beautiful time with Jesus in the morning and a scripture will come alive to her or feed her and nourish her. But as she goes throughout her day, she will meet someone who needs that exact word from God. And that thing that nourished her, she gives her bread to someone else and they're nourished also. And this is, I believe, the whole sort of theme of God. He gave so we can give. He came. Now we can go. Isn't it so cool? Look at this. A river, not a dam. What can happen in dams? They stagnate. They can grow bacteria. They can, they can dry up. They can overflow. But a river has a purpose. It has a destination. And it's fresh because it's flowing. It's always giving. And that's what Jesus said. If you believe in me, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Rivers of living water to refresh all those around you. The illustration that Jesus used, the branch, a branch connected to the vine. When we see ourselves as a branch, we don't just get full of God. We are filled with God. And out of that filling comes the fruit of our lives. Filled to be emptied, that we may flow. I love this from Psalm 23, verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. This is what he has for us. Today, as we're coming around our Christmas tables, he wants us to allow him to set his table before us. What is on his table? I believe there'd be some bread and some wine on his table. And he prepares this in the presence of our enemies. He anoints our head with oil. And there it is again, our cup runs over. There's always more than we need because of our purposeful God filling us so that we may have bread for the hungry. I want to ask you a question today. Are you going to allow Jesus to fill you or the temporal, unsatisfying things of this world. Each of us has a choice. Let Jesus in or shut him out. You know the wonder when you let Jesus in, though? He, he brings all his gifts, like joy and peace. Overwhelming peace. Bubbling joy. I was in the hustle and bustle yesterday, um, getting my last few things ready and uh, in Woolworths, and I couldn't stop thinking about this, about me being a conduit, not a confine, a river flowing the goodness of God to those around me. 
a branch connected to the vine. And I, I was thinking about this and I couldn't stop smiling. And, and I'm looking at people and you know what we're all like when you're trying to get stuff done and there's people everywhere and you, you know, everyone's kind of a bit frazzled. But the amount of people that caught a glimpse of my face and they looked at me and I just couldn't have a... <laughs> I felt like Garfield. The smile wouldn't leave. Because there's, there's something so much greater than all this external stuff. I have him. I have him. And I feast on him. And when you feast on him, look, he spills out. You can't help it. You know you can't hide Jesus. You can't hide being a Christian. When he's in there and he's living through you, people are going to see him. And I don't know how many people stopped and looked at me and smiled back at me. And that was just so precious. I want to finish with this um, scripture in Revelation 3.20. He says, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. What a glorious Christmas to dine with Jesus. That, that tops everything any meal, anywhere, <laughs> at any time, to dine with him and he with me. So let's, uh, let's just close our eyes for a moment, if you would, please, and bow our heads. I, I want to put a challenge to you and those listening online. Jesus wants to dine with you. He wants to tell you things. He wants to have a relationship with you, communicate with you reach you, bless you, minister to you, encourage you, love you. And he can only do that if you allow him entrance to your table. And today that knock is sounding. Will you hear his voice? Will you open the door? And will you let him dine with you? If you're in this room or if you're watching online and you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, I want to give you an opportunity today. What better day than Christmas to actually meet your Saviour, the one sent so long ago to rescue you, to forgive your sins, to become the sacrifice, to take your place. If you would like to make Jesus your Lord today, I'd just like you to lift your hand wherever you are. If you're at home, you can even lift your hand at home and acknowledge this is spoken to me. Count me in that prayer. And I'd like to pray with you. It's not a magic formula, but the Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. What a day for salvation. Let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I acknowledge I am a sinner. I put my trust in you alone to save me. Jesus, my life is yours. I open the door to my heart to you. Make me your child. Wash me clean. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. We're going to just come around communion. If Jan would just like to come up to the keys, that would be great. Again, Psalm 23, you prepare a table before me. I remember the table he sat at when he first initiated what we now know as the Lord's Supper. 
but they were breaking bread. And he was looking at them like, this is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to let myself be broken so you can be whole. And he's pouring out the wine and he's saying to them, and I'm going to allow myself to be spilled out, my blood shed on a cross because I love you so much. I'm willing to take your place and enter into an eternal covenant with you. So powerful, those emblems that we have in our hand. <laughs> oh, no. Thank you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus, the Saviour of the world, as the angels proclaimed Him, the Saviour of the world, born for us. Thank you for coming, Jesus. Thank you for staying until you finish the work. And thank you for inviting us to join you one day where you are. You are so amazing. We love you today. We want to celebrate you today. We want to think about you. We want to feast with you. We just love you, Lord. Thank you for everything. Thank you for your sacrifice. In Jesus' name, let's partake together.